following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. How many of you know that this is the day that the Lord has made? Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? I don't know if I heard, I heard a little bit of gladness. Let me say it one time. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. That's right. There's something about gladness. There's something about thankfulness. There's something about gratitude that I think God wants to show us today. And it's not because we're in a season of thanksgiving, although we are. There's a much bigger thing in God's kingdom that I think he wants us to come to terms with in our heart. We've been looking recently Uh, going through a series on our heart, our heart condition. And we said it's like soil, looking at Jesus' parable in in the Gospel of Luke, where God is scattering seed, and he's trying to plant seed into our hearts. And depending on whether we have a hard soil or rocky soil or good soil, God wants to grow amazing things in you and through you and I. What I'd like to suggest this morning is that gratitude, thankfulness, is, is such an important component of what God can do in your life. And we're going to look at some, uh, an amazing passage that really exposes how gratitude changes everything. Uh, the Bible's got a lot to say about gratitude. Um, but I love this uh, little uh, piece I found regarding the first Thanksgiving. Now, we usually think of the first Thanksgiving, the time, you know, the pilgrims sitting down with the Indians. How many of you guys in school, right? The Indians, pilgrims sitting down, having a big feast. All right, first Thanksgiving. Actually, that wasn't the first Thanksgiving. Uh, some historians say that the first Thanksgiving happened in 1621 when a group of pilgrims shared a feast with a group of friendly Indians. But in reality, the first recorded Thanksgiving took place in Virginia 11 years earlier, and it was not a feast. The winter of 1610 at Jamestown had reduced a group of 409 settlers down to 60, and the survivors prayed for help without knowing when or how it might come. And when help arrived in the form of a ship that came with food and supplies, a prayer meeting was held to give thanks to God. Thanksgiving is not a meal. Thanksgiving is a heart condition. It's an attitude, really an attitude of gratitude. They weren't saying, thank you, God, for all these amazing things that we just went through. They're just saying, thank you, because you are God, and you are going to provide, because you do provide. It's an attitude of gratitude. Um, And I want to ask you this morning, where are you at as far as your attitude for gratitude? Uh, Think about that. What is your attitude level for gratitude in your life? Because in preparing this, I had to search my own heart, and I was just thinking, where am I at on this gratitude level? Because uh, God wants to expose, I believe, another layer of his kingdom, another layer of insight on how God works and how God's economy works. And I was just praying, searching my own heart on this topic of gratitude and, and thankfulness. And the way I was looking at it, it's kind of like a, like a target for me. And in the middle of the target, I am very thankful And I hope I show gratitude, but I'm thankful for the things right in the middle. But what I realized is that there are other layers to this uh, in our lives of people and things that we should not only be thankful for, but express gratitude towards. And I realized in searching my own heart, I think I'm missing out on this. 
And I know Jesus is personally calling me to a deeper thing in gratitude and literally the expression of it, to come to terms with appreciation for the things God is doing around us on deeper and deeper levels. You know, it's, it's not uncommon we see a story in a movie or in a book where somebody almost maybe dies and then they have a new lease on life and they show their appreciation and gratitude in a whole new way. Have you guys seen that storyline before? Like even in Scrooge, right? Scrooge is like he's, he's got a dismal outlook on life, but when he goes through a traumatic experience, he's like, oh, he's thankful and he's showing gratitude. It, it took being shaken to come to terms with having an attitude of gratitude. But I believe God wants to show us so many more things about his kingdom and how things could be if we would truly express an attitude of gratitude, not just in this season, but as a commitment in our lifestyle. Um, Thessalonians 5.18 says this, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Wow, that's a pretty bold statement. Give thanks in all circumstances, that's God's will. You and I don't think of it as God's will, we think of it as an option. We think of it, if I feel blessed, if I feel happy, I will hopefully remember to say thank you. But we don't think about giving thanks in all circumstances. And the word of God is saying, this is God's will for you and I, to literally give thanks in all things. And we're gonna see as this sequence unfolds in this passage we're gonna look at, that giving thanks, expressing gratitude will unfold the next level of things that God has for you and I. Not everybody gets this, but I think everybody can get this. Uh, It doesn't matter of your, your age or how long you've been a believer. It comes to a place in our lives where where are we gonna personally be in our personal attitude of gratitude? What will the soil of this heart allow for? What will it express? Will I look around and truly appreciate all God is doing and the people he's put around me and things? And then if I do, will I actually express it or will I let that be optional? Um, George Washington said this in 1779. And I love the way the country was run back then. I mean, we had some godly people in a lot of different levels with, with a priority on God. And George Washington said this, Um, in his address, he said, it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, and to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly to implore his protection and favor. Both the houses of Congress have requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many favors of Almighty God. And I do recommend that we all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind and care protection of the people of this country. This is the foundations of America. Saying, God, it's all from your hand of providence. From the very first boat that came over on that Mayflower, coming here to be able to give God thanks, to worship him freely. That was the motive. That was the heart condition. You can't miss that. Historically, that was the original reason. God, we want to worship you. You are good. We want to worship you freely. We're coming here not for gold. We're coming here to worship you because you're good and give you thanks. And even going through trials to have the very first thanksgivings and saying, God, thank you for the opportunity of even bringing us here. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Because when we have priorities like that, as our country had in the beginning, there is a lot of blessing that you can expect on the other side. 
And America is the most blessed nation on the planet when you look at our resources and the magnitude of the things God has provided in this country. Certainly not a perfect country, but when you look at God's provision around planet Earth and you look at America and you go, wow, we are a pretty blessed people. Why? I believe it's because of beginnings like this. In fact, many years ago, I was at a Promise Keepers uh, conference um, and it was at LA Coliseum. And I think it was the largest crowd they ever had. It was about 110,000 men down there singing to God, praising him. It was a sight to be seen, really. It was a powerful moment. And all of a sudden, a Korean pastor gets up there. And he, and he is a pastor from uh, one of the largest churches in the world in South Korea. And he got up there, I'll never forget this, and he said, America, you very blessed. Your country very blessed, America. He goes, you own more than half automobile in the whole world. You have them in your driveway, America. And we're like, well, I didn't know that. He goes, I've been to your grocery store. I walked down your aisle. He goes, you have 100 kind of cereal. <laughs> he goes, in my country, one, just one. He said, America, do you know why you are so blessed and South America is so poor. He had 110,000 guys go, I don't know, do you know? I don't know, do you know? He said, I'll tell you why, America. Because you came to America seeking God and to give him thanks and honor. But in South America, they came for gold and for riches. And when we look at the founding, you can't deny the motive of looking for gold and riches and to exploit. That was the beginnings of, of certain sectors of, of our hemisphere. And in America, it started, the first fruits, if you will, which God always honors, was God, we want to give you praise and God. We are grateful for you and who you are and for your provision, no matter what's going on. Wow. You look at the outcome of those two scenarios and it's a living exhibition for us all to see. It's really, really important. Uh, the Philippians understood this really well. The Philippian church understood this. And that's why when Paul was writing to the Philippians in 419, he, he was telling the Philippians, hey, look, guys, out of all the churches, you guys not only were thankful in, you, in your heart, you actually expressed it. Because there's a big difference between, yeah, I think I'm thankful, and actually expressing it. Two different things. The Philippian church was thankful. They were very grateful and they also knew how to express it. And the Apostle Paul said to them, now we apply this to all Christians, but in reality, it was to the Philippian church because of their gratitude. Paul says in Philippians 4.19, because you're gracious, because of your gratitude, my God is gonna meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I only bring that up is because we wonder why sometimes in our life we might feel like we are lacking in areas. I'm telling you, the scripture was applied to a church that showed gratitude and they were gracious people. They, they understood like the pilgrims, God, you are good and we thank you and we express our gratitude towards you. And so that's what the Philippians did and they understood that really well. Um, our main passage is Luke 17. And if you guys could turn there, I think this passage is going to show us a snapshot of gratitude or lack thereof. And there is so much at stake. Um, you know, in my devotional time this week, I was just reading through Mark's gospel. And I, I came up upon the feeding of the, the multitudes. Many of you guys know the story where Jesus fed the 5,000, right? 
Ironically, I, I believe that's the only miracle other than the resurrection that you see in all gospel accounts. Jesus feeding the 5,000. But in Mark's account, he not only feeds the 5,000, he turns around and feeds the 4,000 uh, a little bit later. And Jesus is like doing radical explosive miracles. But one thing that really stood out to me in this profound miracle of feeding the 5,000 and the 4,000 is that Jesus sees the crowd. He has compassion on them. He asked the apostles, well, what do we have here to feed these people? Well, we've only got a couple of fish. We've only got some loaves right here. We don't have a whole lot. Jesus says, bring what you have to me. Brings them to Jesus. And, and the, here's, here's the thing that really jumped off the page to me, is that Jesus took these things, and the first thing he didn't say is, guys, watch this. Poof, multiply. It's not what he did. He could have done that. The end result might have looked the same, but that's not what he did. He said, bring what you have. First thing he did, Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for these. It's only two fish, it's only five, but thank you, God. Heavenly Father, thank you for these. Everyone else was complaining. Thank you. What are you going to do with those? You can't feed a group with those. That's laughable, Jesus. No, you're missing it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father in heaven, so much for these loaves and these fishes. And God, because you're the giver of all good things, multiply. Poof. And God multiplies. I want you to see in both of those, in the gospel accounts, there is this expression of gratitude before the miracle happened. You guys see that in the, in the story? There's an expression of gratitude. Is it necessary? I believe it is. I believe if you and I want to grow further in God's kingdom and want to get in on more things and understand more dimensions of how the kingdom works, what God's economy is like, what he can plant in us and what he can do through us, an expression of gratitude is a prerequisite, an attitude of gratitude. Luke 17, verse 11. If you have your Bible or on a device, follow along, please. It says this in the NIV. Now, on his way to Jerusalem... Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Let's pause right there. 10 lepers going through a community, the Samaritans, were not considered kosher, they weren't considered clean. Jesus is in between a part of Israel and a part where Samaria is, and he's navigating this border right here. And the Samaritans on this side happen to be a group of lepers. Now, lepers were outcasts. They were rejects of society. Everybody was afraid it was going to spread. What they would do with lepers is they'd put them in a colony. Talk amongst yourself. Live amongst yourself. Be amongst yourself, but don't be among the people. So the lepers have this suffering lifestyle where they can't even be in and around people, but they're told to look after each other. So the lepers are in a group. Not uncommon that they're in a group like this. In fact, one thing they would do back in this era is, uh, this, this part of history is because they were so afraid of leprosy spreading and getting on people because their skin started to deteriorate and they were getting very deformed, is they, they would put lepers in a leper colony and they would make sure wherever they placed the leper colony that it was downwind from where they were because they didn't want any wind or breeze blowing over from the leper colony onto where they're, you know, they didn't wake up in the morning, open their shades, feel a nice breeze coming in and go, 
oh no, it's the leper colony blowing this way. They didn't want that. So they made sure they placed the leper colonies where the wind was blowing away from them and to the leper colony. That's how lepers were treated. These people lived a life of pain, not only physical pain, but as outcasts of society. These people needed the miracle. They needed the miracle desperately. And there was no one else to provide the miracle. And finally they hear that Jesus, the Messiah, is coming through town. And like we see in other passages, people looking for hope, they hear that Jesus is coming and they yell out and they shout out and they try anything they can do to get his attention because he's the only one who can heal them. And that's what happens in this passage. There's 10 of them. And they're like, Jesus, please, over here, help us. 10 of them, probably all in unison, yelling out to Jesus. And it moves on in verse 14. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan, and Jesus asked, We're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then Jesus said to him, rise up, go, your faith has made you well. See, Jesus sees these guys, he responds to them, he sees their faith. Jesus, you can heal us, please heal us. Jesus is like, that's good. I'm going to respond to that. You're approaching me in faith, I'm going to respond to your faith. Jesus does that historically since the beginning of time. Come to Jesus in faith. He's responding in faith. He's always looking to respond in faith. And he tells them, these guys need a healing desperately. Good. Go. Go, show yourselves to the Pharisees. Show yourselves as healed, really, is what the intention is, what, what it implies. But these guys aren't healed yet. But he says, go and show yourself. And as they go in faith, they believe Jesus, as they go in faith, they all get healed. I've been a student of the word for a long time. This is the only place I've seen in scripture where there is a mass healing. Ten people one time, poof, all ten at one time. Usually it's this girl over here and this boy over here and the demon. No, everyone, poof, just everyone's healed. All ten of these guys are on their way, being obedient to Jesus to go to the Pharisees. And they're like, what Jesus said is true. The leprosy is gone. We've been cleansed. That's the word in the Greek. It literally means to be washed away, to be purified, to be cleansed. All the impurity is washed away. Their skin is like new. They're like, this is great. So they start going down the road. We don't know where they went. We don't know that they ever made it to the Pharisees. We have no idea what happened to them. We only know that one, only one, stopped, turned around, and went back to Jesus and expressed thanks. That's pretty crazy when you think about it. Living a lifestyle of being quarantined off in a community, being a reject of society, living in a community of other people who have leprosy and skin disease that are, that, that are just removed from all society. And God gives a brand new beginning and everyone's skipping down the road, running off on their way and we don't know where they ended up going but only one, only one out of 10 actually returns to Jesus and doesn't just return wasn't just thankful, expressed gratitude at falling at his feet and saying, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, when I, when I think of something like this, I'd like to think that we would never do that. I mean, we would never be those nine people who walk away and never be grateful. We would never do that. 
But I think in reality, we often do things like that all the time. We do things like that. Maybe not leprosy, per se, but God does things for us all the time. He provides things. He protects. He does all sorts of great things. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. When you think of what God has done for us, and when we get to heaven, we're going to look back and go, Oh, you did that too, and you did that too. I didn't realize, Jesus, and I wasn't seeing it. Now I'm seeing everything. I believe we're going to be blown away with God's provision on a whole different level. But I also think we go through life, sometimes busy, and sometimes looking out for number one, and sometimes missing out, and like those other nine lepers, not turning around and running back to Jesus and saying, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. I think we do that for many different reasons. Why the other nine didn't return, we'll, we'll never know this side of heaven, but somebody suggested that, well, one of them, he probably waited just to see if the cure was real. I'll just stick this thing out and see if it comes back again. Another one waited to see if the, if the cure would last. One said he, he'd probably catch Jesus later on anyway. He'll see Jesus later on sometime later. Uh, one decided that he, he never technically had leprosy in the first place, more than likely, um, Another one says, well, he would have gotten better over time anyway. And another one gave the glory to the priests, assuming they had healed him. One of them said, well, Jesus didn't technically do anything. And another one said, well, any rabbi could have done that. And then one said, well, I think I was already getting better on my own anyway. I think we have a tendency in life to explain things away and Say, I have what I have because I work hard or I do what I do because of this. And we start to, we fail to see that everything is through his hand and through his providence. The fact that you're even here in such a time like this is the providence of the living God. And, and I think we need to do a shift of our attitude. Um, and, and we need to start uh, shifting our understanding of, of gratitude and our attitude of gratitude and its place in God's kingdom. Um, you know, if you're a seeker today and you're, you're trying to understand God's kingdom and what Jesus wants for you, you, you know, gratitude is a key component. I want to tell you that. It's a key part. But if you've been in the faith for a while and you've been walking with Jesus for a while, I, I want to ex- uh, encourage you that your attitude of gratitude will have such a, uh, it will open doors to ne- the next things in your life. It will open doors to understanding uh, the dimensions of the kingdom of God. Everywhere Jesus went, he'd give thanks to the Father. He multiplied things. It is God's will, it says in Thessalonians, for us to give thanks in all circumstances. It's God's will. That attitude of gratitude is not just, okay, let me, let me be a little bit more uh, mindful of things. It's no, really take to heart the great things that God is doing and then have an expression back both to God and to others. If we're going to love God and to love others, then our expression of gratitude also ought to be to God and to others. I just believe that when we start to understand this dimension in our life, not because it's Thanksgiving season, but if we start to change our own attitude of gratitude, I trust you will see new dimensions and God opening new doors in your life. Like the miracle of the multiplication, it was preceded by gratitude again and again. And gratitude precedes so many things. Jesus is about to go to the cross and and he's about to pay the price for the sins of the world. Enormous price for you and I. Cost him everything. Free gift to us. And what does he do? Father, thank you. 
He's holding up bread. You're giving thanks, Jesus? They're, they're about to torture you and they're going to come and get you, the soldiers, in another hour. Yes, thank you. Really? Wow. But there's also the power of the resurrection on the other side of that. Do you see that? Thanks is a key component. Thanks is enormous. But it's time that we have a grateful heart. Um, in 1860, there was a shipwreck near the shore of Lake Michigan and the waters were freezing. But a young man named Edward Spencer waded out into the frigid waters again and again and rescued 17 passengers. In the process, his health was permanently damaged. Some years later, at his funeral, it was noted that not one of the people he rescued ever returned to thank him. Wow. Now, we don't do things like that. Certainly, we don't do things like that. But we do other things like that probably more than we realize. And I think it's our, our, we fail to express the gratitude. We fail to recognize what God has done and then stop and express it, both to God and both to others. Um, we're gonna be closing in a minute, but before I do, I wanna talk about this part. This is doing a little, uh, doing a little heart work with God right now. I, I wanna ask you this morning, if you think you have any barriers in your life, if you have anything blocking your expression of gratitude towards God and others. Now, at first you might say, no, I'm pretty good, but really search your heart right now. Is there anything blocking your lifestyle of gratitude? Uh, do you find yourself to be a gracious person who is expressing gratitude? Or, or do you find yourself that you're in the other camp? Maybe not. Because here's, here's, a, here's a barrier to our gratitude, and I want to talk about it so we can uh, do a little surgery. We, we've been looking over the last few weeks about preparing the soil of our hearts to be the kind of place where God can grow great things. And in doing that, we've been talking about removing the rocks from the soil and pulling the weeds from the soil so that God can grow great things in these hearts of ours, in our lives and through us. Well, here's a barrier that will hinder your gratitude and mine, the expression of it. Disappointments that you've had in life and unmet expectations. When there's been disappointments in life, we tend to think when we've been disappointed or through unmet expectations that somebody owes us something. Have you ever felt that way, honestly? Somebody owes you something? Come on, a little more honesty in God's house. Yeah, somebody owes you something here and it's not happening, right? Be careful with that and be careful what you do with that. I remember coming to LA years ago playing guitar and rock bands, big Marshall stacks, playing all these clubs and everything like that. And there was something I started to see along the way I started to see disgruntled musicians. Musicians who came for their dream. They came to LA for their dream. They're gonna get a record deal. They're gonna tour the world. This is the dream. They come. But things didn't happen along the way the way they thought they were gonna or the way they should have. And so they are still living in I should have or this is the way it should have played out. And there's, there's, there's hurt feelings, disappointment, and unmet expectations because life owed them something or God owed them something. And it didn't happen. And I started to see there's, there's some bitterness going on in the artistic community. Maybe actors, actresses, maybe I, I should have made it and I never did. And maybe there's a sense of they owed me something and it never happened. Maybe in your household, the way you were raised. The life owed me something and I didn't get it. Or God, you owed me something and you didn't do what you should have done for me. I'm not saying we don't have unmet expectations in life. But I would question where those expectations come from 
because God meets all of his promises. Yet you and I come up with expectations or ideas or philosophies of the way it ought to be. This would be good to me. This seems fair to me. And life didn't give me what it should have given me. Or God didn't do what I think God should have done. And be very careful because the devil would love to amplify what God never promised you and I. The devil would love to amplify what God never promised you and I. And if we let the devil amplify what God never promised, we too will be like those other people receiving things and walking away thinking we're entitled. We deserve that. My healing was coming for years. It's about time it came, Jesus. I've been waiting a long time for that. Rather than saying thank you and falling at his feet and saying, God, you didn't promise anything to me like that, but thank you for everything you've given me. Thank you for everything you've blessed me with. Thank you. Give me an attitude of gratitude, God, that I, that I don't look at things as narcissistic and I deserve and the universe revolving around me because it doesn't revolve around me, God. It revolves around you. The universe revolves around you. You are the maker. You're our creator. You're, you breathe life into us from the very beginning. You put your spirit in us, Lord. We're to live for your glory. It revolves around you. Forgive me, God, for thinking you owe me or life owes me, God. I owe you appreciation, God. I want to be like Jesus, holding up fishes and loaves and saying, thank you. Even if it's a couple of fish and only a few loaves, thank you. I'm praying that God will change our disposition, that he will change our outlook, that he will give us an attitude of gratitude, that we will be like the leper who ran back to Jesus and fall at his feet and thank him. In fact, the Bible says as the worship team comes up, that we enter into his courts. We come into God's presence through thanksgiving and praise. Thanksgiving and praise. Not because you feel like you have a lot of stuff and life is going great that you're thankful, but because he is God and he is good. And when we come to terms with that, he deserves our thanks and our praise. And that is the pathway that we even enter into God's presence is through thanks, the Bible says. We enter into God's courts with thanksgiving and praise. So thanks. And appreciation, that attitude of gratitude, is even how we meet God. We don't meet God with a wish list. We don't meet God with a, with a whole list of expectations that he's supposed to fill. We, we just come before God first with thanksgiving. And when you come before God with thanksgiving, it begins to open the path to the next thing. As Jesus thanked the Father with the loaves and fishes, a miracle followed that and many people were blessed. I believe as you and I come before God with thanksgiving and show our appreciation to others, you're going to see more things unfold in your life. And I will say that, that appreciation like this, this attitude of gratitude is very contagious. Our marriage community here at Metro uh, started to do this last week where they started to express gratitude for different things. And it was a reply to all kind of things. So all of a sudden, in, in, everyone's inbox was blowing up with appreciation. And that's a good way to have an inbox blow up. Usually there's all kinds of stuff coming. No, appreciation. And people were saying, I just thank God, listing 10 things. And you'd read that and go, that's really cool. Then another one comes in. And then you go, oh, I got to do mine. So I do mine, I send it out. And somebody else sends one out. Some people even sent two out. 10 wasn't enough. I got to put more. And all of a sudden there's, there's an attitude of gratitude. There's an atmosphere that is shifting and gratitude is being expressed and it's changing the disposition of a community, not just an individual. It is, in fact, contagious. The leper that came back to Jesus, 
It says all of them were cleansed. They were all cleansed of the leprosy. But when the one came back with that appreciation, on the other side of that, Jesus said, you, sir, are not just cleansed. You are sozoed. You are healed. You are fully delivered. You are restored. You are, you are complete, sir. Your leprosy is not just washed away. I've completed you today, is what Jesus would say to him. Because you've returned with thanks to me, and the others haven't. The term we're using in the Greek for you, sir, you are completed. You are made whole. You are free. You are full, sir. The other ones, yeah, their leprosy went away. But they're not like you, Jesus. They're not like you, sir. Because you know gratitude, because you express gratitude, you're getting a fullness. You're getting a wholeness of what I came to do. Does that make sense? Gratitude has so much, guys. We're going to close in prayer. But as we do, let's not just look at this as a seasonal thing. Let's, this, let's look at this as a lifestyle choice, as a heart condition, as the heart condition that God can and will use with subsequent blessing on the other side. God wants to use you in ways that you don't even know yet that we're just beginning to in, discover. But this is a key component. Well, mighty God, we love you and I thank you for your word and I thank you for the power of it, God. I pray, Lord, that, that from this day forward, we would not be a people who look at the glass half empty, that we would look at it half full and we would say thank you for the half that's in there, God. That we would start to look and and discern and and discover, um, Lord, all of the blessings around us in our life, Lord, that you've given us personally, that you've given us spiritually, that you've given us through friends, Lord, and that you've given us through provision, God. You are so good all the time. And I just pray we would be a people, God, who would change our attitude and it would be one of gratitude And we wouldn't just think it, we would know it and we would express it, God. Let us be a contagious people, Lord. And I pray, just like you did in these miracles, Lord, that we see in Scripture, that on the other side of gratitude, we will begin to see, oh, now I see how God works. Now I see why it is God's will that I give thanks in all things. I I see how God wants to grow me to that place of being gracious and having gratitude because when I do... There are subsequent blessings to come on the other side. Thank you for that, Lord. I believe it's a revelation that you have for your church today, Lord, to be a gracious people, to express gratitude, and in all things give thanks that it is, in fact, your will for our lives, Lord. Let us walk in that area of your will in a whole new way. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit valleymetrochurch.com